Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. On this last Sunday of the month of October, I ask you to go back with me almost 500 years to a city in what is present-day Germany called Wittenberg. In those days, that city was located in the province of Saxony in what was then known as the Holy Roman Empire. And its main church was known as the Castle Church. And there, a monk of the Augustinian order, and one at that time already well-versed in Scripture, posted no less than 95 statements or theses on the door of that church. Evidently, that door served as a kind of a bulletin board. It was used to announce important events, especially to church leaders as well as to one and all. And now it was on October the 31st, of the year 1517. The next day would be All Saints Day, or All Hallows, as it was also known, when many people would come to church to celebrate the life and the death of saints, both those known and unknown. Today's Halloween has become a commercialized and secularized substitute for what was originally a religiously motivated occasion. Those who took the time to read Luther's statements soon realized that he had a lot to say, especially of the matter of indulgences, which were actually like certificates authorized by the Pope. In those days, those indulgences could be obtained by payment into a money box of traveling priests, and these payments supposedly guaranteed relief from the guilt of sins, released from purgatory and assurance of a place in heaven. It was a simple scheme by which the Pope hoped to receive enormous amounts of money for the completion of St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. And at the same time, the sale of these indulgences was convenient for a certain Albert of Hohenzollern, or Albert of Mainz, who, though actually too young to become an archbishop, had bought that position after borrowing a very large sum of money. And now to help pay back his debt to the bankers, the Pope allowed him to pocket half of the proceeds of the sale of indulgences in his ecclesiastical territory. Martin Luther came to see this sale of indulgences as an evil which threatened to do away with the need of true repentance, the need as well to live a Christian life according to the precepts of God's word. And the sale of these indulgences was but one of numerous abuses which had crept into the church and into daily life. Another was the reliance on relics which were kept in many churches and which were adored by the masses. No wonder, for by viewing these relics, like a supposed tooth of St. Peter or even a piece of straw, supposedly from Jesus' crib in Bethlehem, 
it was said to lead to a vast reduction in time that one would have to spend in purgatory. The more relics a church possessed and the more money and time spent at viewing them, the better. For it would mean less time spent in what was thought of as an unpleasant place where souls of sinners go after death in order to undergo further purification. Luther had no intention of being a revolutionary, however. He desired to work for much-needed changes from within the church, and yet he was used by his Lord and Savior to be an effective instrument in what came to be known as the Protestant Reformation a reformation which came to involve other spiritual leaders, such as John Calvin in France and Switzerland, Ulrich Zwingli in the Swiss city-state of Zurich, and John Knox in Scotland. And there were important hallmarks of that reformation, including the calls sola fide, that is, only by faith, sola gratia, only by grace, sola scriptura, only by the scriptures. And we may also include sola deo gloria, to God alone the glory. And now, we are living many, many years from the days Luther took his stand. And what days they were when the word of God was practically unknown among the people as a whole. For all the Sunday services were at that time conducted in Latin, which few people could understand. And so the people were ignorant of what the Bible says until Luther, for one, translated it into German. There were also political conflicts galore, and there was a great amount of loose, ungodly living, even among the clergy. But the Lord caused what we might call the Reformation trumpet to be blown. He led a blessed return to the Word of God. Was it the only time in history when there was a wholesale return to the Bible? Oh, no. I had to think of a passage in the prophecies of Isaiah, chapter 8, at the time when Israel had already for years been divided between ten of the tribes, that is, the northern kingdom, and the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. And there came a time when the Lord threatened to sweep Judah away by the armies of the king of Assyria the up-and-coming powerhouse in those days. And yet, the Lord called believers not to fear what many feared, but to fear the Lord with a holy and contrite fear. Though many would stumble and fall and would consult the witch doctors of their days, as Isaiah said, God gave them the solution to the terrible problems and divisions that had become so common. In chapter 8, 16, he had these words broadcast among the people. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. And again in verse 20, we read similar words. To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. Throughout history, including the history of God's own people, you hear this urgent call a call to wake up to the demands as well as the grace of God in obedience to his word. Right at the beginning of Isaiah's prophecy, he had cried out to the people, 
Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. God himself likened his people, once the apple of his eye, to the inhabitants of those two most wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. To the teaching, or the law, and to the testimony, that teaching which is as wide as God's word, that testimony which is at the same time the revelation given to the prophets so that the people might know God's will for their lives. That word, as the psalmist says, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And that teaching is not something to be dismissed either. In the days of Jeremiah the prophet, there were prophets and prophecies who prophesied lies, even in the name of God, although they grossly misused that holy name. But the Lord declared, Is not my word like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Now fire can warm you and me up on a cold day at a campground, let us say. It also purifies, as it was and still is used to separate gold and silver from impurities. But it can also swallow up and destroy forests and property and people, as we've seen recently in the terrible fires that have ravaged large areas in both the states as well as in Canada. God's word is like that. His testimonies can break the most hardened opposition into pieces. And that's what happened at the time of the Protestant Reformation, when God Almighty caused people like Martin Luther to take a stand. Take a stand, a firm stand on God's Word. Is that necessary today? Or can human beings just carry on and be happy outside of God and His Word? Oh no, how necessary it is that there is a universal return to the law and to the testimony. Today, we see families going to pieces, confusion resulting as to what is right and wrong. Children grow up not knowing what constitutes a blessed marriage between one man and one woman, a marriage in which a family seeks to honor the Lord. Therefore, dear listeners, Take hold of God's word, yes, take hold of the Lord sincerely and gladly and humble yourself in his sight. There is no trick, yet it is a wonderful and lasting treat to do so. For God is living and he is gracious still. Jesus Christ, his precious son, rules on high and his is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen, and may you have a blessed Reformation Day.